1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Plenty going on around the NBA. We're also going to dive into our team reviews once again. We're going to take a look at the Sacramento Kings, but we do first have some news to get into. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, I'm excited to get back into our review series, something we want to continue and hopefully finish up before uh, for the end of this offseason. And uh, this is going to be an interesting team to get into, too
2: yeah i'm excited too yeah they definitely did some stuff this this summer and, and we're gonna break all that down with the kings but first trevor i i think we got to i think we got uh, fire. Think, fire. They, they fire we ready aim and fire.
1: fire fire It's the Kevin Cannon. The latest on the Kevin, Kevin Durant at the end situation. Is just get me every single time, <laughs> I
2: love it so much. It's my favorite thing now.
1: the uh, The original version actually had the video of that, and it, it was a beat too long. And I went, you know what? All I need is the audio. That's all That's I it. need. I just Perfect. need her her yelling that. But um, but uh, Kevin Durant, according to Ian Begley, wants the Celtics. We've heard them before, but the 76ers yeah, as well. Not one of the teams that we had on the radar in terms of a a Kevin Durant landing spot. James Harden basically saying, I want to play with Kevin Durant. I just don't want to play with Kyrie. Is that what's going on here? Do they actually have a path to landing, Katie?
2: Yeah, I, I wonder the same thing. My guess is that's what that was. It was probably a lot more about it's it was the Kyrie part of it for James Harden and my guess is if you're James Harden you're probably looking at it as, man I played through a hamstring injury after coming over here last year now this year you're you're not going to get vaccinated you're going to sit out and all these other things and it probably just turned into yeah this is a mess this is a circus I don't want to be here there was never really any indication that he had any kind of real problems with Kevin Durant so so yeah it's the the what was interesting to me was Ian Begley and then Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe both confirmed as expected that all 29 teams made a call as yeah. they should have yeah. right I, I don't care who you are you should be making the call or right, we're gonna talk about the Kings in a little bit they should have made a call and like hey what well, what do you you know what do you want for KD but I think the interesting part was that Durant has now put these teams on his like acceptable list and and to be fair. That acceptable list means about as much as my acceptable list means because he just does, doesn't have any kind of no trade clause or anything like that. So none of that stuff matters, but it does matter because if you're the Orlando magic, you don't want to trade for him just to have him be like, I don't want to be here either. Right. Like you know, what are we doing? So yeah, if he's a, he open and going to both of those places, it does make things slightly more interesting. Um, we'll break down how it could happen but I got to go to the Celtics part of it first. Cause I legitimately laughed out loud when I read this tidbit from Adam Himmelsbach that the nets opening, like, yeah, you want to talk KD. We want Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. Right. That's like calling up your buddy. And it's like, I, you know better than I do, but that's like, I want Cooper cup and whoever the top running back is and your top quarterback for you know, my, you know, one quarterback, like that's not, no one's going to say yes to it. Everyone's going to say no. And then that's going to be like a thing. But so you ask, but that's one of those where it's like, really? Like, what are we doing here? So, so that, that just amused me this morning when I read
1: that. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, in a vacuum, he's the best player of the three Kevin Durant is. And so it doesn't surprise me that he would ask, you know, and of course, age matters here, and so that's why you wouldn't do this. But if we're talking a 24-year-old Kevin Durant, maybe you're you're thinking about doing something like that. It's still a lot to pay in any kind of a situation, but obviously, they're not going to do that. But the Nets still have to ask, and if nothing sure. else, just to start the negotiation yeah. out from a, a high point. Now, with the, you're running the risk of the Celtics just going, "Oh, well, we're not. It's not even worth talking to you. Then we're not. We're not doing this. See well, you later." It's like
2: I told you, I, I've been playing a lot of FIFA. And it's like when you make a really absurd offer in FIFA and then the guy you're working out the transfer with storms out. He's like, this is ridiculous. You were never serious about it or whatever the pre-programmed language is. And he storms out of the room. Like, that's like, I like to imagine that's like Brad Stevens being like, this is ridiculous. You're not even serious and slam the phone down or whatever. Well, I mean, that's, that's what we've
1: heard though. Right. Is that the nets asking price is so high. Depending on who the source is, we're either hearing the nets asking price is ridiculously high or that other teams aren't willing to aren't willing to pay enough to get mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. They're not coming to the table with, with enough, right? It's the other teams that are sure. lowballing the nets. And that's and again, it depends on who your source is there. So
2: well, uh, it also doesn't rep-
1: surprise me. I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that.
2: Yeah, no, and there's also reporting out there that they're making these incredible asks because they have no real intention. They don't want to trade him. Yeah. So it's like, hey, we need we need Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown back. And if the Celtics were dumb enough to say yes. Well then, yeah, done. Right then that changes our attitude on wanting to trade him. But, you know, it's like that's yeah, I mean be like call right if they call the Lakers and be like KD and and Joe Harris for LeBron and AD. And mm-hmm. if the Lakers are like, yeah, done, well then, yeah, I mean, of course there are deals they would do. But you start there knowing the other side's going to say no, and then sure. you can kind of be like, hey, like, we're trying, but, like, nobody wants to meet the asking price. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, what's starting to get tiresome for me at this point is it's just the negotiating through through the media yeah. and in the public. Like, just do your work and get a deal done or don't get a deal done.
1: Well, and that's, you know, you mentioned the Nets don't really want to get a deal done, and maybe that's what's kind of really being put out there. And we, we've seen yeah. this tactic before where teams have – asking prices that are so high that the prevailing thought is that they simply don't want to make a trade. I'm trying to remember it was somebody last season where we were saying the same thing. And I can't remember exactly who it was. Maybe it was James Harden. No, no, no. It was, it was was the, the Ben Simmons thing with the 76ers.
2: Oh yeah. Where they were asking. Yeah. For the moon for right. Yes. Right.
1: Right. Right. To the point where other teams were saying they don't even really want Mm -hmm. to trade him. And that's what's, what's happening here. Um, but when I look at this with, with the nets, if they're going to trade Kevin Durant, if they're not willing to trade him, if, they, if they're asking is so high that it's clear nobody in their right mind is going to meet that asking price, that, that kind of makes sense that now Kevin Durant would have to come along and say, no, I really, really want out, and I want you to fire these guys and all the, and create mm-hmm. more of a stir in order to kind of light a fire under them. Now, now, Brian Windhorst had something, though, where he said what he's heard from other teams, though, is that if anything, after Kevin Durant did this, they're going to decrease their offer. For KD, because they feel like they've got more leverage in this situation, so this could actually backfire and drive us further away from a deal. Obviously, the goal was to make the Nets maybe a little bit more receptive to yep. offers for him, but I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see it or not. It it feels like they'd still need to figure out a way to get something done prior to training camp. Of course, the Nets will push back against that. They'll put out everything they can to say mm-hmm. they're totally fine, bringing KD into camp. I still just can't see that as an ideal situation.
2: Yeah, and there's been other reporting of like I want to say it was maybe the New York Daily News or one of it was a New York based paper reported Durant's not going to come to camp. Like all this talk of like uh, he loves the game too much. There's there's now reporting coming out of New York, which we'll see. Right, some of that stuff can be a little sensationalized, especially when they're that close to it. But a lot of that belief is like he won't come to camp and that that brings it to it a whole nother set of issues right because then barry what are you going to do is this going to be a straight holdout and you'll take the fines like where where are we going with this part of it now the philly part all right presumably and just salary cap rules and trade rules and all that james harden would not be on the table nor would joel Embiid, right because those are the two guys clearly he'd be going there to play with so pj Tucker. Not on the table, yeah. So Ian Begley reports Tyrese Maxey would have to be a part of the trade. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Get yourself a really good young guard. Uh, Matisse Theibel, he also threw in there as probably part of it because that was one of the names that was mentioned in other uh, type of proposals. And then he said picks, which we'll get into that in just a second. But the sticking point, I would think, would be Tobias Harris has to basically be involved to match the salary. There's really no other way for Philly to get there within reason to match salary. Cause remember, Durant's a 44 million dollar player. So you got to match salary on that. To get there, yeah, Harris is 37.6. You're there, right? Then the challenge becomes would the Nets want to take on the 39.3 million owed to Harris next season? Because this year, if it was expiring, whatever, right? You you do it. We got Maxi, we got Dibel, we got picks, we go the picks part of it they already own picks so where are we going with picks i don't know what picks philly has to give they, they don't really no. have picks to trade so unless they're going to trade the somewhere else to get picks to route to brooklyn or i can't imagine maxi because i imagine the nets would want him themselves i don't know if you're philly do you do you and you're going to really fight to not put Maxi in the deal cuz you kind of need him. Um he's clearly the best defender you have for point guards on your roster and I don't think they want to go into games with the approach of I will just outscore everybody all the time. So it just gets really messy. I don't I don't know where there would be a reasonable trade construction. And the, this screams to me Daryl Morey doing what he does of stars on the market. I'm going to I'm going to at least be involved tangentially around the edges, but I just don't know how you would get it done.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't see it either. I don't see a clear pathway for them to get it done. You never say never with Daryl Morey. They can be creative and try to figure something out. But I just don't see, it. particularly with the Nets' asking price being high. I mean, it just I don't see a possibility of it of it happening unless there's yeah.
2: something that we don't know that, uh, sure. that that's going on there. But and then I'll circle back to one more tidbit with the Celtics. Yeah, uh, again from Adam Himmel's of the Globe. Adam's about as connected with the Celtics as you can get um, for a local writer. It was, he wrote today, it never got serious with the Jalen Brown conversation. So that starting to seem to me, maybe if we're to trust that side of the reporting, now maybe that's just covering, you know, maybe that's a little CYA work being done.
1: There. After, after Brown was after kind of Brown upset, was a
2: little upset, yeah. or it could have been the Nets saying like, well, Hey, here's what we talked. And maybe this is, Hey, yeah, you, I mean, it's like, we always joke, right? Like, Hey, we'll trade you Grant Williams for LeBron. And you say no, and then, well, you know, we we, we tried to make a trade for LeBron.
1: Right. right, yeah.
2: Like, you know, is that really it? Like, is that what it was? So, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yep, that, that could be part of what's going on here as well. Let's let's get something done here
2: before trading it.
1: Figure out some way to, to make something out and get some be, sort of resolution.
2: Be, be real. Let's get something done before Trevor's vacation.
1: Yeah. Let's please <laughs> do that. Let's, let's do that before. I,
2: am, If it gets done in the middle, cause you're going to be, basically halfway around the world yep. i am texting you in the middle of the night if something happens oh no
1: no no, that's that's totally fine you absolutely can now i do not think i'll have the bandwidth to go live. but i'm gonna have to recruit ron gutterman or something to hop on here we'll with you and out, uh yeah, right? and break some things down because uh yeah i will be on a beach
2: um <laughs> then, right. then, then when you're like oh, i couldn't get your text because my wife threw you through my phone oh she the will
1: Yes. Yeah,
2: that that would that would definitely happen. So oh, man. Yeah, get it done. let's get this done by the end of this week, please. For yes. my sake. Yeah, for my sake. Yeah, come on. You guys to take care of Trevor's
1: vacation. Speaking of which, Kyrie Irving. He doesn't hate the Nets. <laughs> he, he doesn't hate that. That was the report sure. that came out that, that Kyrie hates those guys talking about Sean Marks and Steve Nash um and that uh that was from the New York Post. Now, now we've got this quote coming from his agent slash stepmother. This is from Kyrie's side. I'm not sure where this narrative is coming from, but Kyrie does not hate Steve or Sean. That's not a part of his being nor how he represents himself in the world. He's about peace, love, and acceptance. Uh, then all right, they, they add this in. His agent declined to comment on whether Irving agrees with Kevin Durant reportedly wants Marks and Nash fired. So they're responding to the word, they're arguing semantics and responding to the word hate and saying, oh no, Kyrie doesn't hate anyone. That's not the point. The word hate was not the point of the report. The report was, does he agree with Kevin Durant that he doesn't like Steve, whatever word you want to use, really, really, really don't, don't like them, Steve Nash and Sean Marks. Is that accurate or not? Of course, would not answer that,
2: but said, no, Kyrie does not hate them. I yeah I, I would like you to be fired, but I'm happy to drive you to the airport and help you pack your office and get you move moved along because because I don't hate you I just yeah. I, I just don't want to work with you anymore. Yeah, right. yeah I I don't, I don't have anything to add to that.
1: It's just it, it, it's it's yeah. just funny it's just yeah. funny to me that yeah. you know you're gonna cool. issue this this statement right to respond to this report and. Completely just dodge the pulpit, which this is what you do, right? You're able to say things without really saying anything, but you address the part that has nothing to do with what the part that people actually care
2: about. Yeah. And then we're getting all these, I'll call them tangential reports of like Kyrie's already in the gym and he's locked in and he can't wait for the season and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, like uh, I'll believe it come you I don't know what September 27th or whatever day camp opens for yeah. the Nets. And I'll believe it then we'll see. Yep.
1: Uh, Darvin ham reportedly, according to Chris Haynes would like to run the Lakers offense through Anthony Davis said he's in great shape and they're expecting him to be able to carry a larger load this season. This was in a report about LeBron and his contract extension mm-hmm. discussions that, uh, that took place with Rob Palenka, Darvin ham, uh, Rich Paul, and LeBron James, all of the meeting to discuss these things. They went over a lot of stuff, what what Russell Westbrook's role might be. Uh, Darvin Ham said very specifically, apparently, that he is okay with benching anybody who is not fulfilling his requests, doing the things that he's asking them to do on the floor, even if it's stuff they haven't done but done typically, um, which most people took to be a uh, reference to Russell Westbrook. Uh, but it does sound like like they are expecting Anthony Davis to have things really run through him, which isn't necessarily something new. They said that when Anthony Davis first arrived in L.A. as well, didn't wind up being the case. If the ball tends to find LeBron James. That's the way it tends to go. But apparently Darvin Ham is very determined to make the offense run through
2: A.D. this season. Yeah, I think I saw some people taking this a little too far with like they're setting up for post LeBron. Oh, no, this means he's gone. You know, I don't think it's any of that stuff. I think this is we want to get a lot out of this guy. I think there is a sense of with Anthony Davis, there is we don't know how many games we're going to get out of him, so let's really utilize him when he does play. Um, and the reality is the Lakers' best chance of being a good team is if Anthony Davis has a really great season. Um, so this to me says, hey, we're committed to to this guy, right? Like, we're, we're going to make sure he's heavily involved. And in fairness, you know I like Frank Vogel as a coach. He's not a great offensive coach. And a lot of times there was, all right, AD, go stand over there. And it's like, that's not the best usage of him. I I want you, you want to see more two man game with him and LeBron. He's a good enough passer too, where you can use him as I, I'm not saying he's bringing post. the ball up and running pick and roll, but yeah, you can do, you know, run DHO action with him, run different things where he's working out of the high post, working off the elbow and he's, you know, kind of getting things. And the reality is in year 20, LeBron should not be your primary initiator of all offense all the time was supposed right? to be. It's uh it's just like he, he just can't do that to him at th- this point. I, I think a lot of his injury issues the last couple of seasons have been he just he gets worn down now, which is sounds crazy, right? Because he's been this ridiculous Iron Man, but I think that's more so than in parts of his game. I think it's you can't play LeBron 35, 40 minutes a night every single night in the regular season and say have the usage rate you had. Ten years ago,
0: yeah. like
2: it's just not—it's not, not going to work. So, so I don't—I don't think any of this is bad. Clearly, I don't think down five with two minutes to play, it's going to be LeBron move out, go to the corner. Yeah, so
1: LeBron spotting up while yeah, Anthony exactly. Davis comes like to work. Yeah, be what
2: happens? Like that's just yeah, they're going to probably do a lot of stuff. And honestly, too, one of the best ways to make sure big men are engaged on the defensive end, which this team needs. Get them involved on offense. Have them engaged early and often. The other part I thought was interesting out of that was they their belief, right, wrong, or indifferent that they can get Westbrook shooting up from the corners. I I I saw that portion of that. That was part of the stuff. Was you know can can we get him up? And yeah, I mean if you can get him up to to be a shooter, the problem is with Russ is we've all said it now for For
1: years. years
2: if you use them more as a cutter, if you use them as a screener and as a roller, look at all you can get out of them. And no one's been able to get them to do it. That's the, the issue. I, I, I'm i sure Darvin Ham has sets where, hey, want you screening for Anthony Davis. He's going to get you on the roll and then you're going to pick pick out a shooter or pick out a cutter or whatever it is off the short roll. I'm sure they have play designs like that. Will Russ do it? We'll find out. You know, It's, uh, you know, it's either going to be my thing with Russell Westbrook It's either going to be – either he figures it out and then he adds about another two, three, four, five years of semi-productive player, much like late career Jason Kidd did, or not same with the shooting because Kidd became a good shooter by the end. But just he's going to figure out a way to be productive or it's going to be I do – this is the way I do it and he's going to have about one or two more years left in the league. And if he doesn't want to change his game – At this point, this deep into his career, I don't necessarily fault him. Like, if you want to be who you are, but I don't fault when 30 teams are like, it's not for us. You know, good luck.
1: Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, The corner three, he did actually shoot a fairly high percentage. Last season was over 40%, but a small sample size uh, on those corner threes because he didn't take advantage of that shot very often. Uh, there was uh, there was an early game in the season last year where the Lakers, I think it was against the Grizzlies. The Lakers got Russ, and I'm talking about one of the first games of the season. They got him to set like eight screens or yeah. something like that. And there was yep. one play in particular where uh, he set a screen. I think it was a screen for LeBron. He rolled. LeBron found him on the pass. He drew the defense, delivered this fantastic drop-off pass to Anthony Davis for the dunk. And it was like, hey, look at that! They found yep. so that can work. Never saw it again. Yeah, just, then I don't. Then I think. Away.
2: I may have the stat wrong, but I think he had something like five games the rest of the year where he said more than two screens. Yeah. Yep. So it was, yeah.
1: it, it's crazy. So we'll, we'll see what Darvin Ham can get out of him. We'll see if he can get that, uh, that going or not. If he's on the team, we'll see, uh, how those trade yeah. discussions go. Yep. And by the way, that was the other report out of there was that, uh, everybody was on the same page that they're going to be patient with any roster moves, that they might just wait to see what it all looks like on the floor, all of that. Again, I would still assume that if the right deal comes along before training they're they're going to take it.
2: Yeah, I mean, my guess, they're just like everybody else now. Everybody's, Playing the game. Yep, and everybody's stuck now too. It's going to have to be someone of Durant, Kyrie, or Mitchell has to move, and then my guess is shortly thereafter the other two move, and then everybody is ready to go. We'll just see. Does, when does that happen?
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right. Uh, Colin Sexton, update on his contract. Apparently, things are not contentious between Sexton and the Cavs, but there's nowhere else for him to go because Indiana and the San Antonio both said they're using their cap space to take on bad money. Yep. Uh, there, so there's no team that can go offer him a big contract and get the Cavs to blank. Clearly they have to come to an agreement at some point, I would assume before training camp, that'll serve as kind of a deadline here to get something done. But yep. uh, they're, they're both uh, look just as the entire NBA has been, stu- been stuck in the staring contest on section and the Cavs have also been in a staring contest.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it sounds nice that they're not contentious right? no one's storming out of the room like my uh, hypothetical FIFA uh, manager. But on the flip side, no one is – like I don't think anyone is in a spot where it's like there's not a deal done. So where does that leave us? I don't – I get it. The Cavs are – they have put this kind of – we keep hearing, right, the three years, forty million, so basically thirteen million. Just so happens that the calves are, you know, they're about five point seven million under the uh, tax line right now, and that just is, you know, met. But that's magically add that five point seven million to what Sexton's qualifying offer would be, and guess where you land? Right about thirteen million. So that's why that's they they don't want to pay the tax. So they're okay. basically. This is our limit. This is as high as we will go on first year salary because we don't want to pay the tax. And that's what it is. I don't necessarily blame them. I don't know that it's time to pay the tax, but I don't know, man. I like Colin Sexton more than I like Ricky Rubio at this point. You paid this money for Ricky Rubio. You made the trade for Karis LeVert last year, which yeah. it wasn't necessarily against. But then, like, you didn't do anything else to move things along. I just I feel like Cleveland's going to put themselves in a spot here where they're going to end up losing Colin Sexton, whether it's now, probably not, or a year from now. They're going to lose a good player just for why. Like, like why did you do this?
1: Well, and people will look at it too, and they'll say, "Well, so what if you have to pay the tax a little bit? Let's say you go a couple million into the tax, you get a minor penalty there. What is it? It'll be if you're only what is it five million into the tax or something? It's dollar for dollar, I think. So you're not, you know, it's it's significant, it matters, but it's not like one of those teams that's paying like four times the sure. yeah you, you know, the Warriors or, something or the like that.
2: Clippers yeah. right.
1: But but I think that's the part that we forget about too, though. Is if you're not in the tax, then that means you're eligible to get that payout mm-hmm. for teams who are in the tax. And you've got these teams like the Warriors and the Clippers that are not just in the tax, that are way in the tax. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a pretty big financial swing there if you can stay below the tax and reap the benefits of these other teams that are way above and then have to pay that much in tax
2: then gets redistributed to those non-tax teams. Well, and beyond that, Dave got... They're okay right now with the way they can maneuver next off season. But let's say you gave Sexton, let's just say 20 million, right? And you said, all right, we'll go seven million into the tax this year and we'll we'll, we'll we'll take the hit. That's fine. but I think what ultimately happens then is, all right, so now you get them for 20 million, let's say 22 million next year. Then what happens is you've got now all of a sudden you've got 120 million on your books. That's enough wiggle room under next year's uh, potential tax line. But then you've got roster spots to fill. Yes, Kevin Love's not going to get $30 million again, but you want to re-sign Kevin Love because um, he's clearly been an important guy. Uh, what do you want to do with Karis Laverde? You're just going to let him walk. Where's that going to go? And now all of a sudden, if you end up in the tax again, now you're starting to creep towards repeater territory. Yeah. And this is a good team. This is a team I think will be very good. Um, you know, in time, but I don't know that I want to be paying the tax now. I would rather be, if I get to pay the tax three, four years from now, I get it. But I just feel like that's where I would have maybe had more conversation about, all right, can we move Levert? Like, could you move Levert? You can't move him back to Indiana, but right. could you move him to San Antonio? Could you find another team and sure. move him on? save some money. I just, I like Colin Sexton more than I like Caris Silver. This is a team that outside of Darius Garland need anybody who can create offense, um, especially off the dribble for them. We know Sexton can do that. I just, I I don't know. I'm just really worried that a year from now, it's just going to be Colin Sexton's gone. And they, they lost them for absolutely nothing. the Cavs had
1: such a feel good season. You Mm -hmm. know, they were not expected to do the things that they did last season. And that's a fan base that can look at their team and say, man, if it weren't for injuries, we, sure. we could, you know what I mean? Like they've, there's yeah. that optimism around that team. Mm-hmm. You don't want to extinguish that, right? Yeah. You don't you don't want to put a damper on that by suddenly making moves simply for financial reasons.
2: Yeah. And two things, two things, short circuit, a young rebuilding team. One is going all in too early and going and signing guys to these really expensive contracts that look horrible veteran players that don't fit in. And then the young guys don't play and often enough and it all falls apart. The other thing is getting stingy with your own and saying, nah, we can't really do that. So I, I get it. I fully understand where they're coming from. I understand their concern. I just think, there, there are ways you can make this happen. Keep calling Sexton. Keep going with what you're building, and keep that thing moving forward. There and in in Cleveland, is it a perfect fit with him and Garland in the backcourt? No, because they're both small. But you know what? You have Evan Mobley, who if he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year, some years probably going to be damn close. Oh yeah, he's probably going to be all defense almost most years. Jared Allen, one of the top big man defenders, rim protectors. You're set up. Those guys can really take care of you behind it. You just got to, you know, we just got to kind of let this play out. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I just don't feel good about this. I just don't like it. No,
1: no it's not a good situation. All right, let's get into our team review here. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Herter had a comment where he said, the Kings are hungry to win. We figured that's a good springboard mm-hmm. into our discussion of the Sacramento Kings and their offseason. This is a team that – uh, what's their playoff drought at at now? Is it 16? Uh, it's a, it's a long ish? one. I, I'm yeah. sure Kings fans know off the top we'll of their head. It's, yeah, it's a it long years, playoff drought for the Sacramento Kings. And this is a team that's looking to stop that. Easier said than done in the Western Conference. The West is going to be absolutely brutal this season. It's going to be extremely difficult. Most projections don't have the Kings making the playoffs, but... Still like what they did this offseason, including we saw with uh, with bringing in Kevin Herter. So we're going to take a look at exactly what the Kings did this offseason, where it puts them, and why. I, I think this takes a team that most people chalked up as a W on their schedule. I don't think they are that kind of easy win that they were for the the top of the Western Conference anymore. Mm-hmm.
2: So I agree with you. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I think now they're that team that on any given night they could. Really give you a run for your money and uh, and and beat you uh, for sure, even for the the best teams in the West. So let's take a look at what they've done,
2: um, and then go from there. Yeah. So the the big move, which we heard early, got executed a little later in the summer. We'll start out with that one, the Kevin Herder uh, acquisition. They they traded Maurice Harkless, Justin Holiday, and a conditional first round pick to to the uh, to the Hawks for Herder. Not bad. Right. I I think it's absolutely fine. The pick that they traded is it starts in twenty twenty four and it's lottery protected in twenty twenty four. It's top twelve protected in twenty twenty five, top ten protected in twenty twenty six. And if it doesn't convey, it turns into two seconds. Now, humorously, the Kings had I believe it was either six or seven years of a protected pick they owed to the Bulls that never conveyed. Because they never get good enough, right? They were always so bad that that it never actually conveyed So, we'll see where that goes. If you end up giving up, uh, you know, a pick in the uh, mid to late teens because you made the playoffs, great, right? That's that was your goal, right? That that's where it was. Um, I I've seen two things. I've seen people clowning the Kings for uh, this Kevin Herter comment and clowning him with this. What else is he? Sp- of course, they're hungry. We know. Like, I don't have a problem with him saying People it, default to that,
1: the, to the Kangs thing with the yeah. Z, you know, and just yeah. assume that everything is terrible in yep. the Kings.
2: And, and I just don't have a problem with him saying it, right? Put oh. it out there. Put it out there for the whole world. What's
1: he going to say? The opposite? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, we, we don't really. It's 16 <laughs> seasons in a row that we haven't made the playoffs. We're probably looking at 17, you know. Yeah. I know it's only August, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're getting ready for number 17. I'm making some travel plans for, uh, for
2: for late April. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. that's where, where things stand. No, he's not going to say that. Of course not. Come on. No, now Kevin Herter, I've seen people even be like, who cares? It's Kevin Herter. Well, who cares? Kevin Herter is a pretty good basketball player. Um, he's never had the biggest offensive role because he's, been playing with Trey Young, and Trey Young's gonna be be the guy there, right? He's always been kind of anywhere between maybe the third, but generally fourth, fifth, sixth option um, on, on his teams at times. But even within that, still last year, 12 points per game, about three and a half rebounds. It's okay. Rebounding from the wing. You gotta remember, too, we played on a team where Clint Capella and John Collins are there, and they're grabbing between the two of them about 20 rebounds a night. Um, but here's the thing that really interests me with the Kings last year, he dipped, but that was because Trey young took on an even heavier usage role in the, in the offense, 3.8 assists per game, 3.5 assists per game. The two years prior to that, he can shoot. He's a career 38% three point shooter. This is a guy who is, he's just a good basketball player. So I don't, Get this whole idea of beating them up. We've heard it over and over and over again. They don't have enough size in the backcourt with the Aaron Fox. They're they're too small. That was criticism with Halliburton to some extent. That was a criticism with Buddy Heald, Buddy Heald also didn't really play defense. Now you got Herder as legitimate wing size out there at six foot seven, can handle the ball some, can pass, he's gonna fit in, he's gonna make shots. I think this is is a great trade because he gave up Justin Holliday. was really only a half season kind of shooter for you harkless is you know i'm not trying to be rude but he's not real valuable player at this point point. and then we'll see what the pick turns into if it right. turns into a mid to late teens pick fine that means you accomplished your goal and if this doesn't work and you could continue to be the kings and you're bad for the next few years guess what the pick never goes and you gave up a couple seconds and you move on yep yeah, that, that's it. That's it, right? I, I like the deal, too.
1: I think Kevin Herter's a really good young player. And look at how many teams are looking for wings right now in the mm-hmm. NBA. Yep. So, and, I, and I like just specifically looking at what the Kings are building here on the wings.
2: Yeah. I
1: mean, Kevin Herter, you've still got Harrison Barnes. Now, I mean, all through all the trade rumors. So you've got a little, and then you add Keegan Murray, you've got actually mm-hmm. a little bit of wing depth there now. Not a ton, but a little bit. Sure. Um, and that's part of what I think is going to make them fairly formidable. And then you've got, you know, you mentioned De'Aaron Fox, Domitas Sabonis mm-hmm. as well. Like the, the relationship between Fox and Sabonis was just, I mean, is in its infancy. Now it's going to have an opportunity to blossom a little bit more this season. So I think there's reason for optimism here for the Sacramento Kings. And I'll tell you what, I, I like their depth too. I mean, we haven't talked Davion Mitchell yet. Uh, Rashawn Holmes. They've got a guy Malik. Monk. That's Great. right. Okay, Malik Monk true. Added, true. added him true. too. So, what? Let's jump to there. What did you think of the contract that Malik Monk got from the Kings?
2: Perfectly fair. I have no issue with, with that. He took just slightly less than the mid-level. For all purposes, he took the full mid-level. Um, he left a little bit out to give them the ability to sign a guy who chose to stay overseas, uh, Sasha Vizenkov, But it is in this situation. Just call it the mid-level. Um, that's fine for what he does as a shooter scorer because – it's now he has shown over the last couple productive years that he's had because um, let's own it, right? He had a little bit of trouble there in Charlotte. Um, but his last couple productive years, shown he can score off the bounce a little bit. For a while, it looked like he was never going to be anything but a guy who needed to be set up. I thought for a little bit of Mike, so he's just going to be like a better version of Bryn Forbes maybe because he can't do anything. Now that he can do a little bit with the ball in his hands, that's a different player. That is a guy to me, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the team can get good enough, I would not be surprised if, uh, sorry, I got distracted by the baseball game. Um, if Malik Monk is in contention for six man of the year, if the he, team is good enough, he's got Nolan that kind cares of cares. If he's playing really well, but they're a 35 win team, right. that's not going to win you six man. He'd have to be scoring 20 points a Game off the bench. But if he's playing well off the bench, yeah, I I, I could see that. And right, even it's been weird, even though they've had Buddy healed, it felt feels like we've screened for years like this team needs shooting. You got to put shooting around Fox. Yep. Like, let Fox do what he does, get there. Uh Sabonis, too. I'm glad you mentioned him. Sabonis is in a position where he is like his playmaking too. You're gonna to get to be able to work a lot of stuff. We're gonna pick out shooters. Challenge is they're probably going to be awful defensively. Yeah, like, that's I think the thing that will hold them back. and just sure. don't know that they're going to be able to defend enough to fully break through in the West. But if they can carve out enough offense, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to be in the mix. And to your point, this is no longer, I don't think you look and say, well, that's a win. Yeah. You know, I know for years, teams coming East have looked at and been like, all right, so we got the the Lakers, Clippers, you know, or the Clippers and Suns, or the Lakers and Warriors, or whatever. Okay, but we got the Kings, so we at least get our one right. win out west, you know, with the Kings game, and off we go. And now all of a sudden, it's you know, I don't think that's as easy as it looks, you know, as it used to be. Oh, well,
1: the Pacific Division is going to be is going to be rough for sure. Yeah. Um, looking at at Keegan Murray, their rookie. He was really good during yeah. Summer League. There's a lot of reason for optimism there. Now, look, we, we always say Summer League is not everything. Summer League is not necessarily an indicator that someone is going to be fantastic in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But you saw probably everything you could have hoped to see out of him
2: and then some during the summer. Yeah, I'm going to pull up his Summer League stats. because Oh, they're ridiculous. Yeah, because they're, they're really good. So, if anybody ever wants to know, these are all on Real GM. Uh, so, he played seven Summer League games because he played in both Las Vegas and in the California Classic um, with, with this year. Averaged 30 minutes per game in Summer League. So, played a pretty full load, wow. minutes load, 21.7 points per game on 50, 40, 84, 50, sorry, 51, 41, 84 shooting. Oh. So, super duper efficient. 7.4 rebounds per game, uh, 1.3 steals. Passing, that'll come down the line. They're not going to need him to do that. I think my guess, so as we kind of transition into lineup-ish stuff, I, I'm i guessing they're going to go with Sabonis, Barnes, Murray, Herder, and Fox as their starting group. Little light on defense, but you got enough yeah. rebounding there. Got a ton of passing got a lot of Shooting I think Harrison Barnes In a lot of ways now for four. Yep and that's a perfect Guy for Keegan Murray to learn from
0: Because mm-hmm. I
2: think there is a lot of What Harrison Barnes does I think Keegan Murray can do that but kind of like Two levels up if he Becomes what I think now I'm not going to Sit here and say yeah he was you know near the Top of my board and all this stuff but I had and I remember when we Talked it around the draft mm-hmm. I had Paulo Bencaro uh, Chad holmgren jabari smith those were my my three guys in the tier above and then I keegan Murray ahead of jaden ivy in that next group and i remember saying i didn't have him that far out of that group of three i fell in love with this kid's game when i started watching him because it just felt he felt like when you were watching him he felt like watching an nba player which right. Isn't always the case when you're watching these college guys. Sometimes it's like, ah, that guy's filling it up. But it's like, is he going to get those shots? He was just right. getting NBA shots. He was beating guys. He's strong. He's physical. Um, yeah, I, I think a slam dunk pick for the Kings. I think they did you know, wonderful stuff with getting him.
1: He could be the piece that as much as, you know, we like Malik Monk and players like that that they added in. Um, he could be the piece that puts them to another level in terms of mm-hmm. being that team that's a difficult out on any given night. Um, yeah. hey, he's got the, agree. got the ability to do that. So that's certainly exciting for them too. Again, I like the wing depth that they've got. You know, you can question is De'Aaron Fox your answer long-term to point guard. There, there's still plenty of questions around this team, but overall I think this team has improved and while well, they're not going to be necessarily a, like, I'm not looking at them and saying, Oh, this team's a five seed or, or anything like that. I think they can make some noise. And I I'm like, I think for the first time in a while, I'm kind of excited to tune in and watch the Kings and see yeah. what see what they are and see what they can be. But last thing, new head
2: coach Mike Mike Brown. Yeah.
1: Thoughts yeah. on on that? What kind of impact does does he make coming in? I know defense was the priority there.
2: Yeah, and it's it's. I always worry when you hire a defensive coach and then you don't give him any defensive players because there's only there's only so much you can do scheme wise. I do think. Life. <laughs> right. I do think there's been a lot of times over the last couple of years they haven't looked very organized defensively. I think that will get cleaned up. I think anything probably let's say by the holidays with the Kings, it'll be it'll it'll be lack of talent versus lack of scheme and execution that that holds them back. I think the rest of it will be they'll really be able to pull some stuff off as far as scheme-wise. Um he did bring in a couple guys he's familiar with from the Nigerian national team. So Chima Moneke and uh KZ Akpala. Um, Akpala is not officially signed. That's why you don't see him on the board here. Uh and this is this page is from Real GM with their yeah. you know terrific transaction tracker um there, uh with this look, but you um those two guys a little bit known as athletes that can defend. So maybe you can work them in um, at the forward and wing positions and just get some guys on the floor. Matthew Della Vidova was, I think strictly signed as a guy who hey, he's going to bring a little bit of defense to the backcourt. And I do think you're going to see Mike Brown unleash Davian Mitchell. Um, and yeah. basically you say, Hey, get out there and do what you do. Right. They, they, his nickname is off night. So like that says like he ought to be able to defend. And I think there's the potential exists because they've upgraded in other areas with playmaking and scoring with Kevin Herter and with Harrison Barnes, that if Darren Fox isn't really playing up to potential, I think you could start to see him lose some minutes to Davian Mitchell. If he's really out there defending, you've got enough offense to carry where in years past we have to have Fox on the floor because no one else can create a look. So we've got to keep him out there. So, so I think between Sabonis, who's, you know, it's, he's like, Two notches below Jokic as far as being a very good passing big. Um, I think you'll see them run some stuff. I- I'm with you, especially as an East Coaster. I'm super excited in this late-night window. We've got another good team. Um, I get attached to this Kings team a couple years back when Boston had that last pick. Remember, it was the Lakers Kings pick that they had because it could have been the Lakers or it could have been the Kings. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was the one they got from the Sixers and the Tatum Fultz um, pick uh, draft pick swap there. Um, I get attached to that Kings team. And I was like, man, these guys are kind of fun. And they never really grew into anything. I'm excited now, you know, to see like, can, can they grow this into something? So yeah, it's a, this is there, there's something here. I Kings fans obviously know far better than we do, but it feels like for year 15, it's like, there's something here, you know, maybe it'll be. And, you know, we're still waiting for that, Uh, you know, non-Chris Webber uh, postseason appearance.
1: So where just to, to wrap this up, where do you have this team finishing? Yeah, in the so that's, team? yeah,
2: that's the challenge, right? I think these guys could be way better than they were, let's say, even like at any point in the last four or five years. Yeah. And it may just not show up in the standings. That's the problem in the West. So, um, without getting super deep into this, my top tier teams, Warriors, Suns, Clippers, Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Those, those, That's my top four. My next four set, Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Mavericks, Pelicans. My next set, Lakers probably in that mix. I'm just – I don't know what to do with the Lakers because there's just the flux right now. with Big time. Stuff. Yep. So, but Lakers, maybe Portland. Maybe the Kings feel pretty confident in saying they're better than Utah, Houston, San Antonio, and Oklahoma city. Yeah. The problem is I just, I got all the way down to the Lakers and that's in the group of, I gave you eight teams and then I went Lakers, Portland Kings. So maybe the plan. Now we know one of those eight teams that I think is going to be really good. The wheels is going to, are going to fall off. They have an injury ravage season. They're just going to be terrible. But I think you're, your bigger challenge becomes, can you, you have to push through if you're the Kings, you, you can't, you can't let, I don't know, Houston have a great season and pass you. And my single biggest worry with Sacramento is yes. Some of these teams are going to come back to the pack as they age out, as they lose players, but Houston and OKC are coming and they're coming fast. Yep. Yep. Before you even have the chance to pass these older teams, are they going to? They might pass you, you. and that's the problem. And that's where you end up with a sixteen-year playoff drought is because you never quite get there. But it could be the year. I, it wouldn't shock me if they finished eighth, ninth in the West and really took advantages because I kind of like the offensive talent. Like it a little bit more if they get one one or two more defenders. It worries me a little bit that maybe their best defensive players are probably going to be coming off the bench. But they'll figure that out. Mike, Mike Brown will sort through that as they go.
1: Yeah, when I look at this team, and I haven't broken down exactly where I've got everybody in the standings. And part of that is just I think I feel like so much is still in flux on the trademark and everything. But I just look at this team and when we when we discuss them, it just feels like a like a nine-ten seed. That just kind of feels like what they what they mm-hmm. are, what they're going to be, but they can also give anybody a run on any given night. So that's kind of what I'm expecting, but I think they've got more upside this season than in a long time. More, There's the potential, I don't even want to say it's like a 40% chance, but there's the chance that they could surprise some people and somehow wind up as the eighth seed or the seventh seed or something mm-hmm. like that this season. That potential exists, and I don't think that was the case in previous
2: seasons. Com- completely agree. Yeah. I, they've always been pencil them into a bottom five finish in yeah. the conference and just move on. And, and, you know, I'll work around them as I figure about where everybody else falls. It's now it's like, all right, they're going to be right in that mix. I, right. I will be shocked if we get to the beginning of April with a couple weeks, or let's say the middle of March with about three, four weeks to go in the season, if they're not fully in the mix for the play in. Yeah. Um, to to at least make the play in tournament i think that there exists a very real possibility that they'll be in that mix and it will we'll do an episode at some point where we kind of go through our tiers but to to your point to trevor's point for those listening it is where do you put utah where do you put brooklyn in right. the east like i like did the, the nets right now and it's funny i don't know if you saw espn did kind of their standings forecast and you can tell they are like I don't know. Just throw Brooklyn in at nine because it's in the middle of the conference. Just, right? Who the hell knows what to do with that?
1: Because so nobody yeah. knows what. You know, are they going to have Kevin Durant? Are they going to yep. have Kyrie? Yeah. If not, yeah, I mean yeah. that's a huge swing.
2: Yep.
1: Whether or not, yeah, they have absolutely. Those guys, so.
2: Yeah, tell me they have those guys. I'm putting them in the top four. Sure they're not going to have those guys and probably putting them in the bottom floor and off yep. we go. Like, it's just, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, 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 see, but yeah, I, I feel good about the Kings, you know, I'm going to knock on wood here and make sure I don't jinx them, but yeah, you know, we'll see. But I mean, at this point, King's friends, like we can't, it's impossible. You can't jinx us. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just, you know, they're, they're the em- emblematic of a, uh, well, what's MJ saying? Spider-Man expect disappointment and you'll never be disappointed. Oh, yep. There it is. Right. There It is. Worked it in is. MCU. Got it like right the, at the buzzer. That was a right at the buzzer MCU reference.
1: I like it. I like it. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining us. Give us your thoughts on the Sacramento Kings in the comment section on all the news stories today. Kevin Durant, what's going on with him? Kyrie Irving doesn't hate anybody. <laughs> Everything else we discussed. Peace and love.
2: Peace and love. Peace and
1: love. Anthony Davis, center of the offense, uh, focal point of the offense. Russell Westbrook, shooting quarter threes. Give us your takes in the comments down below. Don't forget, subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Check out our Clips channel as well. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure that you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe.